2: Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is Wednesday. I'm supposed to be joined by my co-host, Dr. Jeff Galini, but he's traveling to Parma, Ohio. Uh, so those of you in Ohio, if you follow him on Facebook, you'll be able to meet him. Uh, he's traveling today. He should be there tomorrow. Uh, but we're still doing a Science for Humans discussion. Uh, in his absence, I will be carrying the ball. So today we're going to talk about iron overload and are you at risk in the face of The growing carnivore diet, this is not something to be ignored. We're going to talk about what it is, how it happens, and what you can do about it, because then later in the show, we're going to be joined by Andrew Morgan, who was a devout vegan, and he became a carnivore dieter, and what has happened to him uh, since changing from no animal products to only red meat. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Of course, I have to thank All-American Pharmaceutical and EFX Sports for their title sponsorship of this show. You, right now, you can get six of their top-selling products absolutely free by going to SuperGymRadio.net, clicking the EFX banner ad, putting in your address. You will pay $5 and change for shipping, and you'll get a box full of goodies absolutely free because Dr. Jeff believes no one should buy anything until they've tried it. So many years ago, uh, probably seven years ago, I had Dr. Uh, um, um S- Smith. I can't. Why can't I think of his first name right? Michael Smith. Thank you. On the show, uh, because I had found a lot of research that showed that accumulating too much iron ages you faster. It could lead to a variety of diseases. Uh, there was a linkage between iron overload and postmenopausal women because premenopausal they were bleeding regularly, so they were losing a certain amount of blood every month, and that men tended to have iron overload to a greater degree, uh, also because of the influences of certain hormones like testosterone in the body's ability to store more iron. Many of you know, for years, uh, I have donated blood every two months. I haven't done it in probably almost two years, maybe a year and a half, year and a half, let's say. And I have also eaten at least a pound of beef every single day, now, I didn't worry about it when I was donating blood because I was giving up blood every couple months, a significant amount, 500 milliliters, and that was reducing any iron accumulation. But since then, I've actually increased my red meat intake at the same time while not donating blood any longer. Now, enter genetics. Um, I have had my 23andMe, and I happen to be someone who stores iron easily. Now, from an evolutionary perspective, that would have been a gift. Because there were times in, I'm sure, my ancestral journey, uh, that where they just didn't have a lot of red meat to eat. And as a result, their ability to store iron was probably a blessing. Not a blessing any longer when I can readily eat a couple pounds of beef a day, and was doing that for a while, uh, way before the whole carnivore diets thing started. And lo and behold, I started to develop some symptoms. Uh, my symptoms were gut issues. My sleep became really poor. And then I started to develop these this muscle soreness that I'm sure a lot of people would just call myalgia, fibromyalgia, whatever you want to call it, Um, general muscle pain. And it started in my quads and it went up into my glutes and then it started traveling into my back muscles and my lats and my shoulders. And now it's even in my rib cage. So I spoke to my doctor, Dr. Matt Andrew, he's a wonderful doctor, and we talked about this and he said, when's the last time we've done blood work on you? And once again, I'm embarrassed to say it was almost two years ago. You know, I'm supposed to be the guy that tells everybody what to do, but apparently I'm not doing the things I tell people to do, and shame on me. Shame on me. So we get blood work done. I told Matt, I really suspect iron overload, and sure enough, my ferritin levels came back almost two times higher than what the high end is supposed to be. So naturally, I'm set up to do phlebotomy once a week for the next couple weeks, and then I'll go back to my twice-a-month donations at the Red Cross. But who is really at risk of iron overload? Well, first of all, if you are a newcomer to the all-you-can-eat beef diet, you absolutely have to be concerned about it because hemi-iron, the iron that is found in animal muscle meats, especially red animal muscle meats, is much better absorbed than iron from vegetables. We know this because vegans can become easily anemic, easily anemic, and they could be eating high iron green vegetables all day long. We know that hemi iron, because it's bound to blood, gets into our blood a lot easier and a lot faster. So if you're new to this uh, all-you-can-eat meat diet, and don't get me wrong, it has a place. There are some good things about it. We're going to talk about that later in the show. You must not ignore... Monitoring your iron levels. You must monitor your iron levels. I'm going to say it again. Because when you start to have iron overload, lots of bad stuff can start to happen to your body. And we're talking about everything from neurodegenerative diseases sped along to cirrhosis of the liver, damage to the heart muscles, bursting of red blood cells, and the list goes on and on. This is not something to take lightly. So keep in mind that you do not excrete iron. You don't. There's no way to excrete it per se naturally. You can influence your body's ability to excrete it by using chelators, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But the single best way to lower your iron load is blood donations. And I'm telling everybody in this audience right now, if you haven't had blood work done in a while, Have it done. And especially pay attention to ferritin. Ferritin is the protein that binds to iron and deposits it into muscle. And as the blood becomes more saturated with iron, it puts more of it into tissue. If you are suffering from things like, oh... Neuropathies, but you're not diabetic, and your doctor goes, "Gee, I, I just don't understand why you have neuropathy. Your blood sugar is great. It's obviously not diabetic neuropathy." Well, we know that nutritional neuropathies op- 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 occur. Well, one of the things that's linked to the hyperstorage of iron and tissue is the change—the change in the way your sensory nerves work, the way your nerves feel things, because iron agitates, irritates the nerves. so if you start noticing you know I'm getting this numbness in my my feet uh, I wonder what it could be one of the things you might want to look at is your ferritin levels number one. The other thing that iron does it, it causes hyper oxidation. so you have a lot more oxidative stress in your body and it and it, and it drives inflammation up. And we all know that inflammation is not a good thing because inflammation is stimulated by the nervous system and, I'm sorry, by the immune system. And all of the research on iron overload includes autoimmunity. Think about this for a second. As one of the pieces of the puzzle for autoimmunity, could your particular autoimmunity be coming from iron overload? We know that iron overload also shows up in the gut. Now, some people, they get outright gut um, uh, stomach aches and pain, but that's generally from an acute high dose of iron, an acute high dose of iron. But just gentle accumulation over time may not show up as pain, but may show up in changes in the gut function and thus the immune system. There is no research out there yet linking iron overload to microbiome changes, but I guarantee it's happening because you can't disrupt the gut without disrupting the microbes that inhabit it. So I suspect that the autoimmunity portion of it is coming from iron's effect on gut microbes, okay? Now, when we talk about iron overload, a lot of people think, well, I got my blood ber- blood work back and the and the ferritin level said anything from 20 to 288 and mine is only 197, but I still have symptoms. Understand that epidemiological ranges of large groups of population is meaningless when we talk about sensitivity to iron. Your sensitivity to iron comes from your evolutionary journey. There are some people who do better with higher iron and some people who don't. You must look at the symptoms and then experiment with getting your iron down lower. The key to finding the sweet spot in your iron level is hemoglobin. If your hemoglobin starts to drop, you're going way too low in your iron. But if you can go all the way down To I guess it's nanograms a a deciliter I believe, but if you can go all the way down to twenty, and I may have those metrics wrong, so don't 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 tell me it's nanograms a liter if that's what it is. I I don't have the 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 framework of uh, assay memorized, but if your low end on your test says twenty, and you're at twenty and your hemoglobin is fine, then chances are that's probably one of the sweet spots for your personal iron level. Because we know that too much iron leads to rapid aging of cells. And when we talk about this from the anti-aging context, having the lowest amount of iron in your body, that yet not impairing hemoglobin and oxygen uh, saturation levels of blood and the ability for red blood cells to carry oxygen, is where you want to be. So if you're one of those people like me, as I've just learned, that does better with lower iron, and I can keep my hemoglobin high even with lower iron, that is where I need to stay. I need to go there and stay there. And and paying attention to ferritin levels and adjusting them accordingly should be just as important to you as paying attention to your testosterone levels and adjusting them accordingly. We we all pay attention to the hormone. Oh, you know, I got to keep my testosterone. You need to learn what the sweet spot for iron is in your body And then you need to work to maintain it there through diet and blood donation. Now, when people have low hemoglobin and high iron, and clearly the iron is causing problems, then doctors usually turn to uh, chelating drugs. And there's quite a few chelating drugs out there that people can take. And they actually bind to iron and make it water-soluble so you can urinate it out. That's one of the few ways to excrete iron. There are also natural chelators out there. One of them happened to show up in an anti-aging study that we just talked about in rodents uh, where dicidinib and quercetin were used and actually improved uh, the death of senescent cells and prolonged life in rats. We just did that with Dr. Robbins uh, a couple, three weeks ago, I think it was. Well, quercetin happens to be a uh, powerful iron chelator. Now, you can't go crazy with quercetin. You have to take small doses a couple times a day. 200 milligrams once or twice a day is really all you need. But quercetin also binds to iron and allows you to get it out of your your body through urination. But if you're already in iron overload like I am, you can't waste time with that stuff. That's good to manage your iron uh, uptake. But once you're in iron overload, you must donate blood. And you know what? We've talked about the benefits of donating blood on this show so many times. Donating blood causes the, 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 the bone marrow to release new stem cells that can actually heal and fix things. Donating blood al- allows you to manage your iron intake and, and, and accumulation. Donating blood is really a good thing to do anyway If you're not at risk of iron overload, even donating blood a couple times a year can make a a world of difference. In fact, Dr. Andrew told me on the phone yesterday that people who regularly donate blood show a much lower risk of heart attack than people who don't. So there's magic to donating blood, and you should donate blood, and you're also helping other people by donating blood because somebody needs that blood anyway. But getting back to iron chelators. So iron chelators are well well understood and work in managing uh, blood uh, levels of iron and therefore tissue deposition as well. But nothing beats phlebotomy. Nothing beats donating blood uh, from time to time. We're going to take a quick commercial break. and When we come back, I'm going to pick it up on the other side and tell you some more interesting things about iron and its absorptive Uh, abilities into the body and what kind of damage it can do to your body if you're not paying attention to it. Stay
0: tuned. You'll gain with it. There are a few products that I believe in, the way I believe in Cansee eye drops.
2: I've been using Cansee for 6 months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is I've been using Cansee eye drops for 11 years now and I credit Cansee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. see eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse see eye drops, go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how see eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. For the past four months, I've been keeping a secret. Every night at bedtime, I tape my mouth shut with somnifix strips. That's right, and here's why. Whether you snore or not, at some point in the night, almost all of us start breathing through our mouth. Since I've started using Somnifix strips, I've noticed that I sleep deeper and have seen improvements in my health, fitness and cognitive function that's because nose breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and improves nitric oxide production and that leads to improved sleep immunity carbon dioxide oxygen exchange and much more oh and if you do snore it'll help you stop snoring try somnifix risk-free go to com forward slash shr get a free trial pack of somnifix strips today
0: hi i'm ashley grace co-founder of hm company Hemp CBD improved my life so much that I started H. Hemp Company to help others naturally feel better. You don't have to have had a severe brain injury like me to benefit from H. Hemp Company products. If you're struggling to feel better, calm your brain, or better deal with daily stress and want to do so naturally, please try H. Hemp Company products. Search H. Hemp Company and use code SHR for 20% off and free shipping. That's H. Hemp Company and code SHR.
2: Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You too can benefit from LiveOn Labs Lipospheric Delivery System. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live on Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system. Period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out. Or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000. Or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplement. Supplements on the market at Redcon One. Go to redcon1.com. That's R E D C O N, the number one.com, or go to SuperHumanRadio.net and click the Redcon One banner ad today. Mitochondrial uncoupling is the holy grail of fat loss. Making mitochondria work harder raises body temperature and metabolic rate without the jitters of stimulants. Now there is an over the counter mitochondrial uncoupler that will let you shred your body down to the last pounds of body fat. It's Trojan Horse. This is the supplement breakthrough of the decade. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Trojan Horse banner ad. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your order today. BlackstoneLabs.com. Trojan Horse.
0: You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready.
2: Welcome back. So with the growth of the popularity of the carnivore diet, more and more people need to start paying attention to iron overload. I'm telling you, it's going to be a problem. But not just red meat eaters are at risk of iron overload. If you take high doses of vitamin C, you may be at risk of iron overload. In fact, vegans should take vitamin C because it allows you to absorb the less absorbable iron in vegetables, and you won't end up anemic if you take vitamin C with regularity on a vegan diet. I'm not suggesting that vegans eat that way. I think it's a silly way to eat, but if you insist on eating a vegan diet, you absolutely should be taking a couple thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day to make sure that you're extracting what little bit of iron you can get from your vegetables. Who else is at risk of iron overload? Well, interestingly enough, Anybody who is uh, who has obstructive sleep apnea and hasn't corrected it, either using CPAP or something else, those uh, momentary drops in blood oxygen uh, are interpreted by the body as the blood not being able to carry oxygen to the brain and to the heart. So the body goes into an almost erythropoietic effect where it increases red blood cells, hematocrit, and iron retention. So... If you're somebody who snores really bad and you suspect you have obstructive sleep apnea, you probably have increasing iron levels in your blood and tissue, which will lead to iron overload eventually. Because, again, if you're not doing things to help excrete it, like using chelating agents, it just stays in you. Um, the other people that are at risk of iron overload are those of us who are on HRT, testosterone levels increase iron uh, absorption and so anybody on hrt or any any drug using athlete out there that's using high doses of androgens absolutely has to watch out for iron overload it's a that's an important one and then obviously anybody who has a predisposition to being a more efficient uh, absorber of iron needs to Look out for it. But maybe you've never done a 23andMe. You just don't know that. So let me give you a tip. Uh, If you come from the Mediterranean like me, chances are, excuse me, you are better at absorbing iron uh, than your Scandinavian friends. And that's because we probably had less red meat in our diet. When you look at the Mediterranean diet, it's high in fish, it's high in chicken, it's high in eggs, it's low in red meat. Now, I don't know why that is. Dr. Dale Bredesen writes about this in his book, The End of Alzheimer's. He writes specifically about the, the true Mediterranean diet. It's a kind of paleo-Mediterranean diet, right? High in green leafy vegetables, high in fish, high in, in uh, eggs. Uh, moderate in dairy because of cheese, uh, very, very high in chicken, and really uh, moderate to low in red meat. And hence, if you evolved, if your ancestors evolved under that kind of a diet, then chances are you have developed uh, a better absorption of iron in general. You know it's really funny so i had this conversation with elisa elisa has not eaten red meat throughout her whole life she's never eaten red meat and i've only gotten her to eat some red meat here and there very little you know occasionally she'll have some bison that's it and she is aging so friggin well and you know i can't discount the fact that she has never been a red meat eater she'll eat fish she'll eat chicken she'll eat eggs she instinctively has eaten the correct diet for us Italians. So not just red meat eaters are at risk of developing iron overload, but I'm telling you folks, iron overload is a not often spoken about link to advanced aging. It increases oxidative stress. It increases inflammation. It increases wear and tear on the body. It increases pain thresholds. People who say, oh, you know, I just don't understand why my muscles ache and pain so bad all the time. Go have your ferritin tested and then work on lowering it. Even if the doctor says, no, nah, you're in range, try lowering it. Donate blood and, 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 and cut the red meat out of the diet and see what happens if your ferritin starts to drop, if you notice that some of the aches and pains go away. You know what else? High iron load increases the risk of osteoarthritis, joint pain, joint swelling. Think of people who who have disorders that are not tied to rheumatoid arthritis or, you know, the doctor says, oh, you're developing arthritis. My joints hurt. I don't understand why. I take glucosamine. Check your ferritin levels and try to get them lower. Even if your doctor says, no, they were within range. You're under 288. It's within range. Try to get it down to 50. See what you can do. Say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go donate blood every two months. And let's test again and see where the number is. And then donate blood every two months and cut out uh, red meat for a while and see how low you can get it. And as long as your hemoglobin is staying high enough and uh, to, to, to maintain uh, oxygen saturation uh, and red blood cell count, as long as those are staying high enough, See how low you can get your iron and see if you feel better because I suspect this is very overlooked in our population today, but I suspect it's at the root of a lot of problems that no one's paying attention to. I'm telling you, I know that these symptoms got worse as I increased red meat in my diet. There's no doubt in my mind about it. No one one will ever be able to tell me different because I could see the weeks that I was eating more red meat. That the muscle pain and the joint pain and also the lethargy, the fatigue, I, I i felt more fatigued. But I didn't put two and two together. I was blaming other things. Oh, maybe it's the coffee, the caffeine. I got to back out. of. After getting my blood work done, I realized it's the iron that my body is retaining. So I hope this at least inspires you to pay attention to your ferritin levels. And do something about trying to get them as low as possible without interfering with normal red blood and 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 uh, 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 red blood and oxygen carrying effects of your body. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Andrew Morgan. He's going to tell us a very interesting story about once being a vegan and then switching to the carnivore diet. And that's why I wanted to have this talk before him uh, coming on because. I think that there's a place for the carnivore diet. Maybe not lifelong, but periodically. But if you're going to do the carnivore diet, you have double, triple the responsibility to pay attention to your iron levels. Absolutely. Or a lot of people are going to get sick and not know why. I stay tuned. We'll be right back with more superhuman radio. What if a sports nutrition company actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to efxsports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right. Six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try Just cover a small shipping and handling fee, and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm, and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to efxsports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again...
0: Get in better shape and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. You've got your devices and apps that track your activity, workouts, sleep, and diet. You have your medical records and blood work. All this data and none of it is integrated, so you can see a true snapshot of just what progress you're making and where. Now you can securely centralize all this data and become the CEO of your health. Heads Up Health gives you powerful dashboards, charts, and tools to connect all your data into meaningful information. One seamless platform. Go to headsuphealth.com today. Use code SHR and get 20% off your subscription. That's headsuphealth.com and use code SHR. If you suffer from abdominal bloating, relief is here. Introducing
1: A-tron-t-il.
0: Developed by a board-certified gastroenterologist, it relieves bloating where it starts, in the small bowel. That's why
1: Atrantil
0: works, while other remedies don't. In clinical trials, 88% of bloating sufferers who use prescription medications with no relief found
1: Atrantil
0: relieve their symptoms, and it's available without a prescription because
1: Atrantil
0: is made from a patented molecular combination of botanical extracts. It's not a probiotic, plus it's natural, vegan, gluten-free, and non-GMO.
1: A-T-R-A-N-T-I-L
0: atron Even the name is proven to make you feel better. Go to LoveMyTummy.com and use code SHR for 10% off. That's code SHR at LoveMyTummy.com. LoveMyTummy.com.
1: Ever feel like you want something crunchy? From the company that gave us the Quest Protein Bar, now comes the Quest High Protein Potato Chips with 21 grams of high-quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients. Just like Quest Bars, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest high protein potato chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be.
2: Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You too can benefit from Live On Labs lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system. Period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com. L I V O N Labs.com.
0: Now, the number one best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at PredatorNutrition.com. Progenodrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenadrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at five stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with a little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to PredatorNutrition.com today and get Progenodrex, the world's absolute best drug-free muscle gainer. This is the Superhuman Channel, where brawn and brains finally meet.
2: Welcome back. I love doing interviews like this next one. Because it shows the evolution of a human being. It shows the openness to um, to consider things that may be outside of your box of comfort. My next guest is Drew Morgan. How are you doing, Drew?
3: I'm doing good. How are you doing, Carl?
2: Good. So I, I want to let the audience know that I really don't know much about you other than you were a, a staunch uh, vegan for a long time. Let's start there. What made you turn to the vegan diet? Um, by the way, I'm doing this interview for Natalie. Natalie, I hope you're listening. Okay. What made you go vegan? When did it happen?
3: Okay, so I went vegan uh, about four and a half years ago. I was uh, twenty-eight years old at the time. My grandfather had passed away that year of a heart attack. Um, I also got mononucleosis, otherwise known as the kissing disease. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't even know how I picked that up, but. Um, Yeah, so I, I felt what it was like to be very, very, very sick. And I also saw somebody close to me and my family die of a heart attack. So I started to reconsider what I was doing. You know, at the time I was just, I was like, all right, I, I can be unhealthy in my twenties and recover later in life. And uh, around that time was starting to become later in life to me. You know, I, I figured by 30 I should have it together. I should be, um, starting to pick up the health aspects of my life. And so instead of drinking alcohol all the time and eating tons of meat and, you know, white rice and all this stuff together in meals to try and gain, uh, body mass by working out in the gym, I said, okay, you know, I don't really eat that many vegetables anyways. And I kind of feel like unclean inside, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I just felt like I was lacking something. I I felt tired all the time. I was drinking tons of caffeine just to kind of like stay awake and, um, Yeah. So I I started, uh, I actually met this girl, of course, and she introduced me to the vegan diet and I wasn't getting good results at the time with what I was doing. So she told me, yeah, don't worry about it. You know, I know these, I know all these really ripped bodybuilder guys that are doing it. They feel amazing. They have better flexibility. You know, the whole list of, uh, of vegan superpowers that you get apparently once you start eating plants. And so I, I bought into it. I said, okay, well, I didn't go blindly, I said i'm gonna do this for six months if i don't get if I, if I lose even a little bit of gains, I'm done. I'm gonna go back to the meat. Um, I know the meat will be waiting for me, and so I went six months i got I got okay results. I felt very energized. that's what I'll say about uh, doing that because you know you you're eating a ton of sugar so you you feel pretty high and that actually. okay
2: that's an important distinction. I'm glad you said that but but so go ahead so, um, I, I want to just keep that in mind. That you were eating a lot of sugar, and and, and we're yeah. going to go back to that. Go ahead,
3: and, and I and to that point, I want to point out. I mean, I'm from Southern California, so I have very good access to very very good high quality cheap fruit year round, um, which most people do not have. All we can talk more about that later because I did live in Hawaii, so we can talk about that later. But, uh, yeah. So we'll start there. The first, I actually, you know, the first year I was, I was still kind of unconvinced. Uh, But I kept going, and uh, when things started to get to around the two-year mark, I wanted to experiment a little more with getting better digestion because that's something that I felt energized. I felt good. I felt like I could make gains in the gym if I really upped my protein, but my digestion was always pretty bad. Um, And around two and a half years in, this is something I'm kind of known for on YouTube community. Is uh, I did a thirty day one hundred percent juice fast, and so that's kind of where like my little YouTube career began. Is I threw out uh, this thirty day. I, I did a, a little documentary on my thirty day juice fast, which got kind of a lot of views and very good reception, of course, from the juicing community because there's not there's not a lot of normal people talking about juicing on the on YouTube. It's like you have kind of a, a really weird niche community. Talking about it, but they, they don't really like to throw in too many facts or document the progress along the way. They just talk about all the spiritual enlightenment that they get and all this stuff. So, I wanted to actually talk about the weight loss. I want to talk about the the mass loss that I uh, that I experienced.
2: Did you did you and, did you lose muscle mass?
3: Oh yeah, I lost uh, in about sixty days. I lost fifteen pounds. Man, um, and that's and 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 when I say juice fast, I what what John Rose calls it is a juice feast. You're actually trying to drink as many calories as you can. So, what, okay. Uh, so,
2: what? what for, so, what? 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 what, what give, give me an example of the juice. Is this fruit juice, or is this? this is this like all vegetables?
3: Okay, so I aim for one gallon of fruit juice per day, and I aim for thirty-two ounces of green juice per day.
2: Dude, that is so much sugar. Holy mackerel! Oh yeah.
3: So. So here's the deal. It, it comes out to about eighteen hundred to two thousand calories a day if you actually get in all that stuff. Um, and with the way that it was promoted, is that you won't lose any mass. You'll just lose sort of like internal intestinal waste matter that needs to come out. In which, 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 by
2: the way, that is so overestimated by communities that try to push um, cleansing diets and stuff like that. If you wanna, if you wanna lose that stuff. For a dollar seventeen, you go to Walgreens, you buy a bottle of citrus of magnesia. You plan on staying <laughs> home all day. You drink that yeah. and you poop your brains out. And everything that's inside you will come out that day. And then you'll go, Wow, that really wasn't a lot. I thought, you know, Elvis died with sixteen pounds of impacted fecal matter in him. That's all BS.
3: I agree. I agree. That's BS. And I and I've actually I've been against the juicing for a long time. Um you know, I wasn't super impressed with the results that I received. In fact, I received no results um, because I did the juicing for 30 days, and then i I was so desperate to eat that, of course, I went, I, I jumped back onto uh, <laughs> eating food again, like a yeah. human does. Right. And for 30 days, I did uh, a raw vegan diet, and then uh, that was the worst digestion I had. I had See, and this this is
2: this this is the problem with the vegan diet. One of the things that you're talking about. Um. Mm-hmm. So. I have to talk a little bit about anthropology for a second to kind of set the table uh for this. So, our uh in our ancestral lineage, we have Australopithecus. But more specifically, we have Australopithecus gracile or africanus depending on who who's naming it. And there was Australopithecus robustus. And so Okay. We are dissect- direct descendants of Australopithecus gracile, which was the first meat-eating Australopithecus, or p- Uh Before that, Australopithecus robustus was the purely vegan, and they had a much shorter lifespan, probably mm. because of nutrient deficiencies. But they had huge, 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 huge guts and tiny mm-hmm. brains and big jaws, and that's because... They spent all day chewing twigs and roots and, and, and stuff to, in order to get any kind of nourishment out of it. So their guts were constantly working to digest basically like sawdust, let's say. And right. when we moved, started to move to more nutrient dense meats and marrow and stuff like that. Well, over the course of evolution, our guts got smaller. And our brains were able to get bigger because there was less energy dedicated to the gut. And so, when you see vegans, you almost always see distended stomachs. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, it's just amazing. So, um, I also want to point out something else. You're a unique vegan, or were a unique vegan, because you didn't choose to do the vegan diet because you felt sorry for animals. You were looking for results those who do it because they feel sorry for animals ignore the fact that they're getting sicker and sicker on the diet because as long as they're not torturing animals they're okay when you if you if you strip away all social constructs from this idea what you're basically doing is you're killing yourself in order to save animals it's a ridiculous <laughs> and it's c- completely counter and in, and quite frankly look at australopithecus robustus it died eating that diet, younger mm-hmm. than the gracil or 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 africanus. So today's vegans really uh, are literally killing themselves not to eat animals.
3: Okay. Well, not to get us not to get us totally off off topic here, but uh, I do want to point out, and I and I talk about I talk to vegans about this. I say, how much are you willing to suffer? Uh on the vegan diet like if you if you were to know that your results are going to be 5 or 10% less than a, than a animal product diet is that acceptable to you as an ethical vegan and some of them will flat out say yes and if i say okay well what's your limit is it if is it 20 or 30% performance decrease and they'll still they'll think harder about it and they'll still say yeah i guess it would still be worth it and i'm just like you're at basically admitting a slow suicide because you're you're not trying to go to the optimal levels that your body is capable of. And you're, and you know that, you know? So, and that, Very but, bad.
2: but, but, but think about, think about that fact that this is a group of people who will eat this way, even though they know it's going to kill them. And, and yeah. now, and, and now let's talk about anorexia nervosa, which we classify as a mental illness. And those mm. people also know that not eating and starving yourselves the way they do is going to lead to early death, uh, organ failure, and so on. So how is the vegan diet not a mental illness? I know I'm going to get really hung up on this one. It's people going to just flame me. But how is it not a mental illness if you know you're getting sicker and sicker, but you refuse to try something different? Uh, I don't
3: know. I guess there's justifications for everything, you know? Yeah,
2: I know. And I, I don't want to do that because now— I'm going to have a lot of vegans sending me hate mail, but that's okay. They've done it before. But, but, okay, so now, so let's talk about some, so, so you did the vegan diet for a total of four years, right?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, four and a half years, yeah.
2: Okay. And, and, and throughout this period of time, did you, and I'm going to tell you why you felt great in your head, but not in your body in a second. Did you ever feel like, okay, it's finally kicking in. I feel friggin' amazing. I can do this for the rest of my life. Or was it always like, I'm doing it, but there's something missing. What's wrong with this?
3: Uh, there was always something missing, but I didn't. I couldn't put my finger on it, and uh, and I always said to myself that I don't miss meat. I don't miss animal products, and I really meant that. I, I actually never craved a burger, or you know, going to any of these uh, fast food restaurants. I mean, I used to eat all that stuff. I, I never craved steak, which is something that I used to love. So it wasn't like I was missing the foods on an emotional or even a physical level, but the performance just was never there. It
2: yeah, and I, never there. I, I and I love when people post things about vegan bodybuilders, but they refuse to right. answer the question, did they build their body as vegans or did they build their bodies as omnivores and then recently switch to being a vegan?
3: There's a huge difference in that. Huge difference in that. Huge difference, and that's and We may be skipping a little bit ahead in the story, but after the juice fast, when I lost the weight, I was under the, you know, what what had been sold to me was that now that I've relieved myself of all this horrible waste matter of my previous pre-vegan diet, now I could rebuild my body from scratch and I would be absorbing all of my food better. I would be, you know, just so much healthier that now all of a sudden – i'm going to be much stronger and I'm going to be able to rebuild my body from scratch on a vegan diet and it will be bigger and better and stronger than ever and of course that never really happened you know so right
2: uh, so one one of the reasons okay so let's let's identify a couple of things and then we're going to move forward in the story so first of all, as Pam Colleen came on my show and revealed seven years ago who was a vegan and just got sicker and sicker on the vegan diet that the reason uh-huh. vegans actually feel euphoric when they first switch to the vegan diet is twofold. Mm-hmm. Number one, there are components of their previous diet that were just plain out crap and making them feel bad, and so they removed those from the diet. In fact, I, I, we're going to talk about the carnivore diet, and I'm going to come, come back and revisit this in a minute. So mm-hmm. they removed the things that are actually crappy in their diet. But more importantly, vegans end up with a very, very, very out of balance copper to zinc ratio. And mm-hmm. what happens when copper starts to get very high in the brain, you actually start to feel euphoric. And you think, oh, my God, I just love this diet. I feel so good, but I can't get out of the chair. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. my brain says I really feel good, but I'm, I'm weak and I'm frail and I don't feel good. My digest- digestive system isn't working. So the vegan diet actually anesthetizes the brain to understanding that the body is suffering. Isn't <laughs>
0: interesting. that interesting?
2: Yeah. So, okay, so now let's fast forward. So 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 four and a half years in, you're not feeling mm-hmm. good, you're not performing well, you still have mm-hmm. digestive issues even after the juice cleanse fast, di- detox, you still can't digest food fast?
3: Okay, so after I did the little raw thing, the raw vegan thing, then I went back to the, to a truly whole foods, plant-based vegan diet, which is the foundation of what all the doctors promote, right? Which is the the gold standard for health and all this other stuff in the vegan community, of course. So I didn't do any protein shakes. I wasn't doing, I wasn't even doing smoothies, actually. Uh, for the first time as a vegan, I wasn't doing smoothies. So I was eating lots of fruit. I had moved to Hawaii at this point. Um, I had an abundance of very good locally grown bananas and tropical fruit, and I was, I was not gaining any weight, even though I was working out consistently, um, and I was only 135 pounds. So I, it should have been very easy for me to put weight on at that point because I was so depleted. Right. Um, but using the whole foods plant based diet, which I consumed for about three to four months now, I, my digestion was good at this time. But it's not that impressive. It's not saying much because I was only able to eat about twenty, like two thousand to twenty five hundred calories a day. Yeah. Because whole foods, plant-based diet, I mean, if anybody's ever ever actually eaten that, (laughs) the the volume of food you're eating is several pounds worth of food per day, Um, you know. And it it just becomes uh, a a logistical nightmare trying to get in 3,000 calories a day if you're trying to grow muscle.
2: Well, forget about growing growing muscle. Anybody who's over 40 who decides to do this, you're losing muscle. Even if you're, you know... um, Muscle is metabolic currency. You need a lot of muscle to get into the later years of your life. The, the research mm-hmm. that's showing both strength and the degree of muscle a person carries and longevity and health span is undeniable now. Well, you're basically mm-hmm. eating a diet that's eroding your muscle.
3: Yep i I agree to that. You're you're always fighting uh, an uphill battle. Like if, if you don't work out for like two weeks, you physically see that loss in your body immediately and it's not just out of your muscles it's actually out of your during specifically during that whole food plant-based uh time that i had i mean my bones were getting so thin um my wrist because that's a measurement that i use when i'm when i'm actually making progress in the gym i like to wrap my hand around my my wrist i have small wrists to begin with and i noticed that i could like there was a huge gap i mean i could make a ring around my wrist with my other hand and there'd be like Two fingers width or three fingers width of gap there. Like there was the wrists were getting tiny. All you right. Know? All right. Right. Um so I decided that this whole foods plant based thing was was not gonna cut it. I started throwing in protein shakes, I started throwing in soy milk again. Um uh, my digestion was starting to shift from good to average. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, meaning some days I had a lot of gas, some days I didn't, you know. And, that,
2: and, that, and, that, and that's just, you know, for, for the people out there who are still convinced that soy is a good uh, a plant protein source, it's not. It has trypsin yeah. inhibitors in it that keep you from actually digesting and absorbing the protein. It has anti-nutrients in it that cause all sorts of uh, problems to the body. But more importantly, it has phytoestrogens in them. And we don't need those phytoestrogens. You know, don't, don't, don't think that soy is manna from heaven. You know, um, the 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 the, uh, the anti menopause people that that don't want to do HRT, like, oh no, just take soy, 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 soy. Well, if soy corrects your menopausal uh, problems, then what's it doing to young boys? That <laughs> estrogen is having an effect on them, and then you go, no, no. Uh, It's not that strong of an estrogen. Well, if it's not that strong of an estrogen, how is it causing you not to have hot flashes anymore when you're going through menopause? You can't have it both ways. You can't have it, well, it's a good estrogen source. Oh, but it's not a good estrogen source. It can't be both ways.
3: Well, I didn't even know that it was used for that, but that's pretty wild. Oh, listen. Um,
2: I went to a lecture about six or seven years ago where a scientist Uh. proposed... That soy is the the most advanced evolutionary crop we've seen. So, um, anybody, who, uh, any any species that has legs and teeth and and paws or arms, we can fight, we can run, you know, we can bite, but plants can't mm-hmm. run, they can't fight, they can't bite. So through their evolution, they increase anti nutrients that mm-hmm. keep their natural predators from consuming them. Well, well, soy figured it out. It, it increased phytoestrogens. So when animals would eat it, they, they, would, they would stop having offspring because the estrogen levels would go high in the males. They wouldn't have mm-hmm. sex with the females. They wouldn't have, be- so basically eating the soy wiped the species off the planet. And he said, yeah. you know, but now turn it around. And the food industry is like, Oh, soy is so good. It's got phytoestrogens. If you're going through menopause, you should take it. And you have people giving their young children. Young children, I, I had a woman who was on my show who was a vegan once, and she mm. she isn't anymore. And she said, I feel so bad, I forced my kids to eat all those soy smoothies and soy protein and this and that, and tofu and all this other stuff, and she said, I feel so bad now. And I didn't even have the heart to ask her, did she notice any changes in her children? But could you, mm. I, 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 feeding your child soy would be like if I came and knocked on your door every morning and said, hey, I've got some est- uh, estrogen cream. Let me rub it on your kids before they go to school. You'd be like, "What are you yeah. crazy?" Well, you just gave them the equivalent of a dose of of estrogen cream that a, a that that a, a postmenopausal woman would take in their in their smoothie this morning.
3: Yeah, and, and the the vegan science, uh, and I'm doing air quotes here with my hands, says that the phytoestrogen in um in soy isn't compatible with the human biology. Therefore, you're <laughs> not actually absorbing or taking in any of that estrogen. It's not the same as the human estrogen, so therefore it has no effect. That's so, what the vegan science.
2: Is. It's a stupid lie and and and, <laughs> and and ask any postmenopausal woman who says I don't want to get on hormones so I'm just using a lot of soy and my my wow. my, my, my my hot flashes went away. Yeah, soy builds bones because of its estrogenic effects. I mean, it's just mm. it's just silly. But anyway, okay. So uh I want to take a quick commercial break. Okay. No, I don't. I want to go a little bit. I want to go with this next question first. Never mind that. All right. So, so, okay, so now now let's, so so you get to the end of this two and a half years and you're just not seeing the benefits and the results that you had hoped to see from the vegan diet, right? Right. So what do you do then? Do you try, do you just go back and start eating the regular diet again?
3: Yeah, so I, uh, I decided to really up my legumes, you know, beans and stuff like that. And I started to consume protein powder and soy milk. And I, I did a, I did pretty heavy soy milk. I mean, I was going through cartons of soy milk, like, <laughs> a couple of them a week. And um, and I started gaining weight. I started gaining weight. I started getting quality muscle mass. I was working out uh, four or five days a week very, very consistently. I mean, I didn't have a job. I wasn't doing anything else in Hawaii. I was just working out and focusing on my health and my, and my fitness. And I got results. I gained uh, from one thirty five. I went up to one forty three. Nice. Which is not much. And but that if, was if, that, if that's
2: muscle, that's a lot.
3: Right. Yeah. It, but that was over the course of uh, maybe let's say six or eight months. Um. But but here's the thing is, and I and I keep telling people this. They're like, "Well, you know, you 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 don't know you don't know the difference." I'm like, "Hey, guys, I gained thirty pounds of muscle in three months." as an 18-year-old kid on animal products back in the day. My first three months ever going to the gym, and people say, oh, that's newbie games. It doesn't matter. Three months, 30 pounds. And me knowing all I know about working out now and only being 135 pounds at the time, I could only gain to 143, which is an eight-pound difference, in six months. So it took me twice as long for less than half the results.
2: Right. Okay. So there you go. And, and and so how how about your digestion? How did you feel when you started integrating some of these other foods back into your diet?
3: Okay, so the digestion, like I said, on Whole Foods plant based was very good. And then it went down to let's say uh, in- in- inconsistent, right? Yeah, just just barely good, like right. you know. And then uh, and then after that, I said, okay, well, I'm capped. I was stuck at 143 pounds. No matter, I couldn't figure out another way to get any more calories into my diet. I was I was, again, the volume of the food was too much. Right. So then I started turning towards peanut butter and I found peanut butter, the Holy grail of weight gain as a vegan. As soon as I started incorporating peanut, uh, peanut butter into my smoothies, then I started to actually gain weight again. And I was very happy about this, Yeah. but that was the, that was the exact moment that my digestion went from okay to bad again. And I said, okay, well, this is just, this is the cost of admission to be, to get bigger. I'm going right. to have to suffer through this digestion. It wasn't like debilitating, but it was, uh, it was not enjoyable. I had gas some days for, you know, four to six hours where I'm literally just sitting there tooting up a storm.
1: Right. right. And,
3: and it was so, it was uncomfortable at times. And, and I even talk about this as like, it's hard to maintain a job. You know, I was driving Uber at the time. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> I'm sitting there in my car, hoping that the next person I pick up isn't isn't smelling rancid carb gas. Right. And I'm sitting there airing out my car, you know, with the windows down. <laughs> and oh, that would have and, been funny. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it, yeah. So that that was what it was, you know.
2: You know, most most Uber drivers offer you a bottle of water. You know what I mean? You're like, hey, yeah. enjoy
3: enjoy the fart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enjoy the fart. Uh, you know, I, I just play it off. I'm like, hey, we're in Hawaii. We, we we drive with the windows down here, and then I just you know, I just have the windows down.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's just got to do. Okay, so where so where does where does the carnivore diet come into all this? So you're you're eating, you're you're trying to get back to a balance of eating foods that agree with your digestive system, and yep. regaining muscle mass that you've lost after this two and a half year experiment. So, yeah. wh- how do you get introduced to the, uh, the to the carnivore diet?
3: All right, so we'll fast forward a little bit towards the very, very end of my Hawaii stay. I got up to about one hundred and fifty five, one hundred fifty six pounds on the vegan diet. So I was able to get back up to where I was about uh, just before I did the juice fast. So I, I finally regained my weight. It took two years to get back to where I was, and I was I was just as Soft and kind of like fat as I was before, like kind of skinny fat, Mm -hmm. and um, and so I I hear about all this carnivore stuff, and I thought it was just so dumb. Like I couldn't believe what people like Sean Baker were saying. You know, you you eat an all animal product diet, and I and I looked at the guy's skin, and I was like, eh, I don't know about this. This this looks like total hogwash. And uh, and then all of a sudden, Vegetable Police, the vegan guy on YouTube, came out with his. You know, his uh, announcement that he's been on Carnivore for 30 to 40 days, and this is a guy I don't know if you or your audience knows who he is. No, I don't. He's kind of like, like a vegan truther, okay? So he, he'll, he'll make videos and he'll talk about this very specifics of what he's doing on his diet. And he was one of the first to expose that you can eat a fruitarian diet and still have blood sugar issues.
2: Oh hell! yeah. Um, you mean you you needed to prove that when you were telling me you were yeah. drinking those fruit juices? Uh, I, yeah. I was actually I wrote down to to uh, I wish I could have seen your pancreas. I could have seen. I wish you were doing C peptide and insulin uh, 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 blood tests because I'll bet you your your pancreas was like, oh god, when is this guy going to give us a break?
3: Yeah, yeah, and the the lot you know, of course, in the vegan community, if you they say if you are very very low fat. Then it doesn't matter how much sugar you consume because the fat is not there to block the insulin receptors. And then that's the whole—that's the
2: whole—that's the whole, whole bull s of forks yeah. over knives and 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 what was the other one? What what the health or whatever that was? Though they they all try yeah. to blame. Oh well, you know, fat is the problem. Fat, fat's the problem. No, it's not. hmm. Right, oh,
3: man. Uh, so, vegetable police. He made that he made his announcement that he's now uh, carnivore, and he was talking about his results. And this is a guy who's, in my opinion, he's always kept it very real, and uh, and he's not trying to sugarcoat anything. So he's like, guys, I'm on the carnivore diet. It's not a joke. Um, and by the way, my digestion is better than ever. Like, I have no gas and no bloating. <laughs> and me, and I, and that was like that was enough for me because that's what I was known for in my community of, of vegan friends is always talking about digestion because I had such bad results with digestion and other people had kind of bad results too, but they weren't, they weren't outspoken about it. Um, and th- this is something that I get a lot of hate for from the vegans is like, they try and come to tell me that this diet is so healthy, this diet and not. And then I mentioned digestion and they all get quiet. It's crickets when you talk about digestion, because every vegan knows that they have their limit with plant fiber and they know that when they eat too much food when they eat enough food to feel very satisfied and to actually maintain weight and maintain performance that's the exact line that they cross into bad digestion territory and i so, want i
2: want i want to talk i want to stop i want to stop with fiber for a second okay sure. so Leslie Aiello, who used to run the fenner uh, the Wintergren foundation and i had conversations with her probably about 8 or 9 years ago maybe 10 um, yeah. about the whole paleo movement I mean, the, the Wenner-Gren Foundation was an anthropological society that studied uh, uh previous uh, uh ancestors, their diets, and all that sort of stuff. And she told me back then, look, it's impossible to do uh, paleo. An apple isn't the same apple that our paleo ancestors. You know, you just need to go back five, six, seven generations to understand what foods are good for you. So we talked about mm-hmm. fiber one day. She's mm-hmm. the one who told me the story about Australopithecus gracile and robustus. And she said, mm-hmm. you know... Um, throughout evolution, we have reduced our fiber intake and it's rewarded us. Our guts have gotten smaller. Now there's this whole movement to add fiber to everything, to coffee creamer, to everything. Every, oh, we, you know, you got to get all this fiber. And so I listened to that and I've thought about it for, dec- for years now, eight, nine years. I've thought about this whole fiber thing, right? So mm-hmm. what I've come away with about the discussion of fiber is this. When we look at People who have had um, uh, dig- uh, uh, digestive tract surgeries, where they're on a quote low residue diet, they can't have any fiber. Mm-hmm. They don't die younger than a population that's eating fiber. So the whole mm-hmm. the whole idea about oh you got to have fiber, no people tell me all, no, but you got to have fiber, no you really mm-hmm. don't have to have fiber. But let's think about this for a second. Who does fiber really benefit? It benefits a diabetic population. Why? Because fiber slows gastric emptying. Would gastric mm. emptying had been have been a benefit to our prehistoric ancestors? Absolutely not. Because slowing digestion down would have been a deficit. The fact that I can't have another meal right now when it's available to me because I just ate three hours ago and it's still in my stomach would have been a evolutionary deficit, not a gift. But when you look at mm. a population of obese, uh, insulin resistant people. Then you go, yeah, fiber is good for them because it slows down gastric emptying. So it slows down the the rise in sugar, but those are anomalies. Those are not, those are not supposed to be normalities in our population. So the reality is that if you get some fiber in some vegetables that you're eating, that's okay. But overloading your body with fiber. And I guarantee you folks uh, I'm 60 years old. I'll be dead maybe in another 20 or 30 years. Someone will listen to this podcast and go, holy crap, this guy knew what he was talking about. Because now we know fiber is actually no good for the gut. It causes small mm. intestinal back. If you look at fiber consumption and SIBO, if you Google fiber, uh, fiber intake and digestive problems, you'll see that they rise at the same level from 2004 to today. The more fiber mm. people eat... The more we hear about small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, think about that.
3: Yeah, that's a whole the, the SIBO thing is a whole other issue that the vegans like to point to to say, "Hey, you know, you're you're on carnivore, but really, you should have taken care of your SIBO." And I say, "Well, the reason I got SIBO in the first place was because of <sighs> the fiber, right? So, yes. well, why would I go back to the thing that was, you know, SIBO? When you look into SIBO, they they even Say this like uh, the doctors even say this is you get a fifty percent recurrence on patient treatment in the first year, right? So, it is is the is the treatment not working or is the diet that's causing the SIBO in the first place really the root cause of the problem? And that is that's such that is, that is
2: such a uh, example of critical thinking that this population is devoid of. You're right because the the uh, the the antibiotic that they use to treat SIBO is two thousand dollars. For a 14-day run. And it does. Wow. It's it stays contained to the small intestine. It doesn't even make it to the large intestine. And it only kills the bad bacteria in the small intestine. And those people go, they do the they do the the gas test. Oh yeah, your SIBO is gone. Go home, mm-hmm. live life. And 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 two years later they're going, I got SIBO again. I thought that th- yeah. yeah, it worked. Look, look, if your fire if your house catches on fire and the fire truck comes. And puts the fire out. And two years later, your house catches on fire. It's not because the fire truck didn't do a good job the first time. It's because you did the same stupid thing that started the fire in the first place again. Exactly. 100%. (laughs) Unbelievable. But you see, you saw that. You made the deduction. I make those kind of deductions. But other people blindly just do the same thing over and over again and expect different results.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: Exactly. We're going to take our last commercial break. And when we come back, I want to talk about your results now that you're on the carnivore diet. Stay tuned. This is going to get really, really interesting. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You too can benefit from Live On Labs' lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live on Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at LiveOnLabs.com and benefit from their new reduced
0: pricing. Phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. What if a sports nutrition company
2: actually let you try all of their best products for free before you ever bought one? You'd be dreaming, right? Well, you're not dreaming. Head over to EFXSports.com and grab their new sample kit that includes not one, not two, but six of their top sellers. That's right, six different samples of their top sellers sent out to you immediately to try. Just cover a small shipping and handling fee and they're on their way to you. See for yourself why EFX Sports has taken the industry by storm and why so many athletes worldwide depend on their products, dominate their competition safely and legally. Head over to efxsports.com right now and click the EFX Sample Kit in the online store and get your free kit today. Once again...
1: go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars.
2: Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000. Or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon1. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one, dot com. Or go to SuperHumanRadio.net and click the Redcon1
0: banner ad today. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it you'll gain with it. For
2: the past four months,
0: I've been keeping a
2: secret. Every night at bedtime, I tape my mouth shut with Somnifix strips. That's right, and here's why. Whether you snore or not, at some point in the night, almost all of us start breathing through our mouth. Since I've started using Somnifix strips, I've noticed that I sleep deeper and have seen improvements in my health, fitness, and cognitive function. That's because nose breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and improves nitric oxide production. And that leads to improved sleep immune carbon dioxide, oxygen exchange, and much more. Oh, and if you do snore, it'll help you stop snoring. Try Somnifix risk-free. Go to somnifix.com forward slash SHR. Get a free trial pack of Somnifix strips today. This is the Superhuman Channel, where we use oxygen for the power of good. Welcome back. To this very important episode of Superhuman Radio with Andrew Morgan. Other people know him as Drew Morgan. Uh, real quick, uh, plug your, your YouTube channel.
3: Yeah, so I'm on YouTube. Uh, you can just find me at youtube.com forward slash so, Drew Morg. So Drew M O R G.
2: All one word. D R E W M O R G. Okay, so check him out. So. Let's talk about carnivore. How long have you been eating only? And is this is is it red meat, or are you eating only animal protein,
3: flesh? I'm I'm eating it all, baby. Uh, Eggs, I've fish,
2: doing, chicken, beef.
3: Yep, all of that. I I eat. I try and go for the fattier foods. Um, I'm not too worried about macronutrient uh, ratios, like a ketogenic person would. Right. Um, I, yeah, I've been doing this for about two months now and, uh, it all started. Yeah. The last month that I was back there in Hawaii, now I've been in California for about a month. So, uh, I'm definitely loving the food selection here. I got so many more options, which is great. But
2: so one what, what of the um, things, one of the so. things that most people may notice and they, they misguidedly think it's, um, it's, uh, constipation. So, hmm. uh, I've done, uh, yeah. I've done exclusively, Uh, beef. I've done steak and eggs for long periods of time. Whenever you shift to a low residue diet, people think they're constipated. It's not that you're constipated, it's just that these foods, animal proteins, fleshes, are so much more efficient at being broken down by the body and absorbed almost exclusively that, as the diet implies, they leave very little residue, very little residual uh, mass. To actually be pooped out. So when you switch to uh, a an animal flesh diet, I know vegans right now are spinning right now by me calling animal flesh diet. Uh, but when you okay. do, when you switch to an animal flesh diet, even including eggs, you literally may not go to the bathroom for two days. You think, oh, my God, I must be constipated. No. And then when you do poop, it's so such a little amount. You think – oh, my God, it, it's got to be stuck inside of me like they say it's clean. No, you just don't have a lot to poop when you eat this way because you don't have all the fiber and the undigested stuff. Like when you eat peanuts, you, a lot of it you don't digest. We've done show, shows about two years ago about the the, the, the the contribution of calories by eating almonds because you really don't digest a lot of it if you don't mm-hmm. masticate it, if you don't chew it a lot. So. There's a lot less that actually has to come out. Have you found that?
3: That has been my experience, one thousand percent. I actually went five days. I think was the longest um, without pooping, and when I did poop, it was a very small amount. And I just, I, I literally, I chuckled to myself sitting there on the toilet because it's totally the opposite when you're eating vegan diet. You're like it. Every time you need to do something, you have to poop. Like, if you know you have to leave the house for three hours, you better poop before you go because you're going to have to poop somewhere along the way. Like, it becomes part of your logistics of your day. That's how much you need to poop as a vegan.
2: In fact, I know people don't like to talk about poop, but in fact, when you are eating an exclusively animal flesh diet, you will also go through a ton less toilet paper. Because this, oh, yeah. the, like you, you wipe once, you go, wow, I can't even believe there's nothing there. I just pooped. But if you're if you're eating <laughs> all the all the fiber and the juices, I mean, you could spend more time wiping than you do pooping. Oh yeah, that <laughs> I know. Nobody likes I, I to talk about it... <laughs> it, right, Drew? It's like, well, I just want to oh, keep no. it real. I just want to keep it real. If, you know,
3: if you're if you are talking about health, if you aren't. If you are looking at digestion as the number one key, in my opinion, you're, you're missing out because that is the key. Like That is your body feedback system saying, this is working bad or working good. And if you poop and it's, it's super clean, like you said, a one-wipe, I call it the one-wipe dump, if you get a one-wiper and there's nothing on that toilet paper at all, and you go back and people are like, ew, you only go once, okay, wipe a second time just to confirm it. There's nothing there. right. It's like air, you know, and it's like, that is what I want. I want that is that evident, that,
2: and I've said those exact words on the show. That No one wants to look in the toilet after they go, but that is evidence that the diet you're eating is appropriate for you.
3: Exactly. A dog doesn't wipe its butt, right?
2: No, unless you know, they, you, they no. Poop, and clean. especially if dog like, if you are in the woods, you hunt. I used to hunt. I haven't in a while. But if you come upon wild dog feces, it's well formed. Oh. It's cigar shaped. Now you go into a house where someone feeds their dog science diet, which is all cornmeal, and the yeah. and, and the dogs poop like it looks like a play doh. It's mush.
3: Yep. Yep. Exactly.
2: No, there, there's a lot to be told by what's left in the toilet about how appropriate a diet is for you. So, how do you feel now of being carnivore?
3: I absolutely love it. Um, I, so. <clears throat> I've made a few modifications to the carnivore diet. I wouldn't necessarily call myself keto ketogenic either, but I, I, I am incorporating a little bit more veggies. Oh, I'm shocker. I, I have a, yes, I do them for a couple of reasons just to add variety. Yeah. To be honest with you. And uh, you know, I think that some greens are probably healthy in some way. And another reason is I'm not doing organ meats. So, I want to have some mineral, you know, a little bit of boost to my minerals. So I'm doing right. like, I mean, we're, we're talking like yesterday, I consumed one small avocado with my meals Beautiful. Uh, and one head of kale. Total. I'm a big, I'm, I'm a day, big, I'm time. a
2: big broccoli guy. Like I, I, today I brought, yeah. I have chicken and broccoli. That's all I have today. I love broccoli. I think broccoli is one of those well-rounded greens that people can eat. Um, I, and I'm not full on, I'm not a full on carnivore. But I want to talk yeah. about something, because you just said keto. You talked about keto a couple times. And yeah. so a, a very brilliant man, Ron Penner, one of the founders of Quest Nutrition, once said to me these words, and they've never been truer. Quite often, the magic in a healing diet is not from what you eat, but from what you're, what you're not eating any longer. Mm-hmm. So when if we would take circles and we were to say, Here's the keto diet, this one circle. Here's mm-hmm. the here's the carnivore diet, this one circle, and here's the low carb high protein diet, this one circle. They mm-hmm. all overlap in one specific area and that is what is not in the diet. So when you mm-hmm. when you talk to vegans, they feel that as long as they're not eating anything from animals that they're fine. So that means right. Pop-Tarts and, and and that means uh, uh hot pockets and and that means you know uh, it, it's like as, as long as I'm not eating animal I'm fine and th- and that's candy and sugary foods and breads and all this other stuff and I'm thinking to myself there is such a wide variance in what is considered vegan and it makes and, and it, it makes no sense because the vegan diet if it's going to be vegan should be whole plant-based food now obviously You can't eat that and expect to perform well in life. Maybe you can eat it for a few weeks to give your digestive system a a shock, but you can't eat it lifelong. But when you look at what's eliminated from the diets where people are going, my autoimmune disorder went away, which is paleo, I'm sorry, which is is keto, carnivore, and the ultra low or more like a, a Mediterranean diet, you find it's what they're not eating that they all share in common. What do you think about that?
3: I think that's accurate. I mean, I think that if you reach a certain threshold of carbohydrates and you mix that with fat, I mean, the one thing that the vegans and the paleo carnivore people agree on, there's one thing they both agree that fat and sugar at the same time is not good. Yes. So that, that is the, so there's like a big boundary there in the middle of the fat and sugar. No, nobody's promoting fat and sugar diet together. That's like the donut diet. Nobody, yeah, right. Nobody's doing that. So, so when you look at, so then we come to the to the question of how much carbs is too much. Uh, if you're going to eat the the high protein, high fat way, which is the carnivore way, right? Right. So we we say on a on a carnivore diet, they say zero carb. You're just eating meat, salt, and water. Well, okay, you know we're human beings. We live in the modern world. Are we really going to eat that way for the rest of our life? I don't know, but. You know, so how much carbs can we get away with? You know, most people's numbers is between, you know, 20 grams and maybe 75 grams a day if you're very active. You know, that's kind of what the, the, the cons- consensus is. Right. And to me, I've, I've been experimenting with that myself. I drink products with sugar in it, like kefir. You know, there's trace uh, sugar in kefir, which is a, a fermented milk product. I drink, or I also eat, um, I eat some nuts and seeds, which has some trace carbohydrates. And, uh, and I eat vegetables, which has some trace carbohydrates. So all in all, I'm probably getting between 20 and 50 grams of carbs a day. I feel amazing. My digestion is 1,000% better than it was as a vegan. Consistently, um, I haven't had to wipe more than once in probably three weeks now. That's no exaggeration. Right. Um, you know, I go, my, my now regular pooping schedule is about every other day to every three days, which is, I'm totally fine with that. I feel perfectly fine. Like you said the descended gut, I do not have a descended gut whatsoever. I have a perfectly flat stomach actually. Um, I have no gas, I have no bloating. I have I do drink caffeine quite a bit actually because I just enjoy the the stuff uh, from a <laughs> from an addicted standpoint. Yeah, no, I know. Up, honestly,
2: we all, we're all the same. <laughs> My audience knows. I mean, I've been trying to kick caffeine for 5 years now and every time I come off of it I end up going back. And I I I abuse caffeine for a while there, I was taking like a thousand milligrams of caffeine anhydrous throughout the day, so you know.
3: Oh wow! Yeah. Well, I'm Cuban. I, I literally started drinking caffeine uh, coffee as a, as probably five years old, right? So I just love I just love this stuff. So, anyways, whatever. Um, what else can we say? Uh, oh, so so physical performance. Um, I I really want your viewers to go check out uh, on my channel. Like I said, YouTube.com forward slash Drew Morg. That I did my latest video, I show a video clip of myself. Um, I actually gained muscle and performance in the 30 days, the first 30 days that I did carnivore. I was actually able to lose body fat and gain muscle at the same time, and yeah. I proved that by actually because um, I do calisthenics, so you know it's all body weight stuff. So I actually broke my previous uh, pull-up rep max while losing weight. And what I did was I actually added weight to myself in order to simulate my old body weight. So people couldn't just say, Oh, well you gain, you gained reps because you lost weight and therefore it was easier. Right. No, 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 no. I put on, I, I actually strapped weight to myself and then I beat my old, I my old rep max by two or three reps. Um, so you know, that, that completely rules that out of the equation. So I, I proved that I gained strength. Um, in just a short amount of time, only 30 days. So those results were very, very impressive and encouraging to me. Um, everything else has been very good. Um, oh, libido. I can't believe we
2: haven't. Oh, it. yeah. Listen, listen. The vegan diet was capitalized by Dr. Kellogg, the inventor of Kellogg's uh, cornflakes, because wow. he believed that um, all of human sin was driven by sexuality. And he learned that if you stopped feeding teenagers eggs and bacon in the morning, but instead fed them corn, that within the yep. matter of months, they, their libido went away. That's where Kellogg yep. cornflakes came from. So vegans never uh, – look, I've had just recently a woman contact me and say that her husband is not able to maintain an erection. And we started talking about it. And when I found that he's a staunch vegan. I said, tell him to have a steak. I said, just yeah. tell him to start eating some meat, you know, once in a while. And sure enough, he was able to perform in bed again. You're not, you're not building hormones if you're a vegan.
3: I totally agree with you. And I think, that is, I think that is why the muscle building process is so difficult because at the foundation to it, it's not just proteins and, and, car- and calories. It's actually hormones. So if your hormones aren't being supported in a way that they're going to be anabolic, then you're not going to build muscle. It doesn't matter how much protein or how much calorie energy you're getting in. Right. Um, so, you know, the, the final months of being vegan for me, I, I actually lost my ability to perform in bed, just like your, just like your, your guest, um, the her her husband. Right. And so I didn't start putting it together that it was probably diet related until, um, until the very, very end. And I said, Whoa, this is actually, I'm starting to add it up here. And I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not horny at all, basically, and that's weird. You know, that's weird for me. So, yeah,
2: you're a young man.
3: Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, so so then you know, I'll share this with your viewers. The first night that I ate my first meal of meat, I ate one pound of ground beef. I ate four eggs. I went to sleep that night. By the way, I, right from the get go, I had great digestion with it. I, I felt I felt great.
2: Right, no bloating, no I, no stomach uh, distension. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Nothing.
3: And it was, it was a big plate of food, you know, because at that time I was, I was used to eating the huge vegan dinner. So I had this huge plate of meat, um, a hundred, 140 grams of protein actually. I, I calculated it. And, uh, so I went to bed, 4 a.m. I wake up out of dead sleep. No placebo here. I woke up out of dead sleep, rock hard erection. Yep. So, so hard, so hard that it was painful. Um, If if you, if
2: you, if you had the right kind of hearing, which humans don't, but dogs do, you would have heard your penis saying to you, thank you so much.
3: (laughs) 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 Thank you for eating that meat last night, dude. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I I couldn't believe it because, you know, it's easy to placebo yourself while you're, while you're awake. But when you're at a, when you come out of dead sleep, it's like who. Who's there to, to, to provoke that, you know? So I was, I was ecstatic. I was very happy about that. And since then, it's been steadily improving. And I'd say now I would say I'm totally back to normal. So
2: I want, I want to talk about something because we make jokes about libido and erections and sexuality all the time. But, but yeah. let, me, let me just overlay some evolutionary science for you. From an evolutionary perspective, we have only one job as a species, and that is to continue the species. And that means having sex and having offspring. Yep. When you're doing things that are telling your body that the environment is hostile, like high stress, or that the environment is not supporting of offspring, like starving yourself on a vegan diet, you lose your libido for a reason. Because your your body has safety mechanisms built into it. That is telling, you're saying to yourself, we can't find enough food to feed ourselves. How could we bring offspring into the world and support it? So the Mm -hmm. body shuts down the sex hormones as a precautionary measure to keep you from having a baby. Because you obviously can't make it on your own. How are you going to have a baby and support that? Nutritionally, building the baby for women. And, and, and then raising the baby for both men and women. So when anything I told, I, I was, I did Tom Billu's show recently, a uh, health theory. And I said, mm-hmm. anything that improves libido is good for your body. Anything that, mm-hmm. that, that removes, eliminates libido is bad for your body. That is an evolutionary edict. Don't ever get that wrong.
3: I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's, it's uh, it swept under the rug in the vegan community, um, very sadly so. And I, I'd like to give an anecdote story from a, a friend, a female friend of mine, and this could help out your female viewers perhaps. Please. Um, so this this young girl, beautiful girl, she's she's 24, um, she's from England. So I ended up meeting her in Hawaii. She told me she because she's a lifelong uh, vegetarian, lifelong vegetarian. She had been vegan for about seven years or no, sorry, about five years. Okay. She hadn't had a normal period since she was 15 years old. So, you know, she, she comes of age, she gets her period when she's, you know, young, 13, 14, 15, and then it goes away. She couldn't have a period without a hormone patch on her body. So she turns 24. So that's nine years of not having a regular period. She thinks just something's wrong with her body. So at this point she's five years into veganism and she goes back to England from Hawaii. She ends up dating this bodybuilder guy. He's like, you know, you need more protein. You should be eating animal products, blah, 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 you know, giving her the whole thing. She's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. She ends up getting very weak. Um, she's, she's losing energy. She gets blood tested. It's showing she's extremely anemic. extremely severely anemic. Yeah, yes.
2: sure.
3: So she goes, she's at the, she's at the end. And I personally worked with this girl. We, we chronometered her diet to a T like I don't know if you're if you know what chronometer is basically you punch it it's like my fitness pal you punch in your right. food it tells you yeah all that stuff it right tracks everything, we right. made sure we made sure she had full protein profile we made sure she had full iron calcium all the, the 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 micronutrients covered it did not matter she could not absorb those nutrients so what happened was she goes anemic the doctor says hey you could literally be looking at dying if you don't fix this problem, so she goes. Okay, well, I'm going to give up my lifelong vegetarian status, and I'm going to try out fish and eggs.
2: And that's so, and that's actually great, uh, yeah. uh, because pesci uh, uh, ovo vegetarians have very very long
3: lifespans. Right, I think it's a very it's a very clean way to eat. If you're going to be if you're going to be a meat eater, and you still think you need. A lot of vegetables in your diet, you want to remain kind of like half vegan, then then get fish and eggs in there. Bingo. That's gonna help you out a lot.
2: Bingo. So tell me and, about it. so so she starts
3: eating fish and eggs. Yeah. Go ahead. Three weeks in, she gets her period back and gets two full cup sizes back in her breast, which she had lost over time as a vegan.
2: Sure, because there's no estrogen stimulating the growth of that tissue. That's that's yeah. This is brilliant. This is such a great yeah. story. Especially for women out there struggling with um, being vegan and having other issues. A lot of the issues you may have may actually be from uh, nutrient deficiencies. And during the beginning of the show, I talked about iron overload. Mm -hmm. And with the growing red meat consumption, some of us, like myself, we are high absorbers. I'm on testosterone therapy, too. So I ended up being... My fer- my ferritin level is almost uh, three times higher than the high right okay. now, so I'm going to do some phlebotomy. I used to donate blood all the time, but I haven't done it in about a year and a half, and this is coming, coming home to roost for me. But I want to just mention something to the vegans out there. If you're listening to this show and you're hating me and you're hating Drew, here's something good to know. If you're going to be vegan, you must take high doses of vitamin C because high doses of vitamin C, especially taking it with the meal, will allow your body to absorb the non-hemi-iron better from vegetables so you won't end up anemic. Vitamin C can save you from anemia if you insist on this silly diet. I just wanted to mention that.
3: I also want to mention, you, you mentioned about uh, getting blood. Um, I heard from a phlebotomist. They said, typically speaking, the people who go in to give blood and then are not able to give blood because their iron levels are too low are typically vegans. Always. Always. So they said... They are. They expect that. It's like if you're too low, they go. Oh, are you vegan? They're like, yeah, okay, well, you can't. Get, you, you, you know, that's that's the reason. And see you later. You can't give. You can't donate blood anymore. So, bye bye. That's There's,
2: not good. So anything, any diet that does these things to you is not good. I wish people would just get that through their head. Now, I am also not espousing a, a lifelong carnivore diet where all you eat is red meat. Mm. Uh, you need, as as Drew mentioned, organ meat is very very important. Um, But more importantly, be flexible. Fish, eggs, chicken, pork, beef, uh, turkey, eat them all. Eat them all. Because the reality is that eating exclusively red meat, while you can sustain it for a while, Mm -hmm. is probably just as dumb as eating uh, only vegetables. We're not designed for that. We're not designed for that.
3: I've got a question for you, Carl. Sure. With with your knowledge and with your experience, would you say? Because I'm currently under the impression. I'm the theory is that basically humans and ruminants, aka cows and those type of animals, are biologically. Basically, that's our food by design. Would you say that's kind of pretty pretty accurate?
2: No, I wouldn't, because you have to understand oh, okay. something. Um. The only thing that it was is our food by design is human breast milk. Nothing mm, else. Nothing okay. else. Nothing in nature has been created to be food for humans than human mm. breast milk. And okay. we can get into the whole, you know, is drinking milk after being a baby appropriate? That that's a whole other discussion I don't want to get into. But yeah, short of human breast milk, we have adapted everything else to be food. Mm. How did we do that? Over 1.8 million years, we've eaten things, and it didn't kill us, and so we thought, okay, I can eat that. Uh, A lot of people died eating a lot of things that didn't end up being acceptable foods for us. I mean, grain isn't food for us, but it could sustain life during a famine. Uh, Actually, grain Mm -hmm. is a horrible choice of food for us. But So when you look at these things, I mean, woolly mammoth was probably a great food for us. That's why they're extinct today because they were slow moving and they were dumb and we were able to kill them and eat them for months. Uh, So really, there's no nothing in the world is food for us by design other than human breast milk. Everything else we've adapted. Now, with that being said, are there some foods that make uh, some choices that make better food choices for us? Absolutely. And we've been talking about that all, all this whole show. And that's why... This whole notion that you know the the, the problem that I have with the vegan diet is I'll I'll do a vegan diet for two weeks, give my Mm -hmm. digestive system a a shock because chances are throughout evolution our ancestors did that they couldn't find an animal they had a they weren't going to starve they started eating plants, but there were no plants to eat during the forty thousand years
3: of ice age. There's no plants to eat anywhere. I mean, I, I tell people this all the time. I say, "Okay, you're a nature-loving vegan, you camp all the time, you do this and that. When was the last time you ever stumbled across an edible patch of food that would actually feed you for even one meal?" What like where can you go in entire North America where you can roll any or, you know stroll through any of the plains or any of the forests and actually find one? calories worth of meals.
2: Well, th- they may exist, but we don't know
3: it anymore. Right? If it's not at Kroger's right. Shelf, we don't know it's food anymore. I'm saying, you know, go 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 to Yosemite National Park in the true wilderness, and the most you're going to stumble across is maybe one plant's worth of berries which yeah. is like 30 calories. Right, right. So nowhere... So this is my point, is that I lived in Hawaii, and yes, you can find... Uh, wild coconut trees and wild banana trees but beyond that you're not going to have a people think that there's like this fruit utopia out there that exists but it does not exist i mean i agree you can survive on coconuts for uh, probably an extended period of time but th- they, it does not have a full nutrient profile by any means i mean that that's stupid to even argue to say that just coconut and just bananas can give you a, a full nutrient profile. I mean, even eating cooked vegan food with all the, you know, all the beans and all the other processed foods in the world, I couldn't maintain a full nutrient profile. So right. how can you think that eating food from nature, and that's assuming you can even get enough calories to just not starve to death.
2: And that's where Australopithecus so. gracile turned to, to, to eating meat, obviously. They they yeah. must have been starving and they thought, well, you know, I I've, I asked this question um to Dr. Daniel Lieberman, the author of uh, The Story of the Human Body, once when he was on my show. And I said, Mm. I actually asked him, when do you think we started cooking meat? And he thought about it, and he says, I don't know, maybe uh, after a forest fire. And we came across a dead animal, (laughs) and we ate it, and we thought, wow, that tastes a lot better than when when we eat it raw.
3: Yeah, my research has said that uh, we've been cooking for about a million years. Yeah. So, you know, because we have evidence of fires in caves with bones next to it. So we know for sure that we've been at least starting fires and cooking stuff for a million years. Who knows how advanced our technology was at the time, but anyways. But so, I mean, who was the first
2: person who says, you know, if we burn this, it tastes better? Right. I mean, what ha- like, I, that's why I said, wow, that makes sense. Like, after lightning strikes, a forest fire, a dead animal, yeah. it's been roasted, basically, you know, and you go and you eat it and you go, wow, this tastes so much better than raw. We should do this all yeah. the time. So maybe that happened a million years ago, right?
3: Totally. And I, and I got to get back to what I asked you about the, the ideal food. Yes, uh, please. Because I I want to know, so there's guys on YouTube, guy, a guy named Frank Tifano, he talks about how basically the cow is sort of like the, the most ideal food, right? So what I want to know from you is if you were to eat just cow, like let's say you were eating the the uh, muscle the meat. muscle meat. Yeah. And the liver or and organs and all the other all the other stuff. Do you think that that alone could not just sustain it? It
2: would make you thrive. Body, but- I actually I actually put a mem up two years ago that says that beef is the only superfood. Everything else is, you know, oh this chia seed is superfood. No. Beef is the only superfood in existence. Why? Because if you ate it for every meal every day for the rest of yeah. your life, you would thrive. And Okay. And people, people want to challenge. They go, oh, that's bull. No, let me let me give you an example. We're not the first group to realize that. The Vikings yeah. knew it. The Chinese Navy knew it. You know, the, the Chinese Navy, when we were putting canned uh, of vegetables and everybody was dying of scurvy, they were bringing cows on board and raising them and slaughtering them and eating beef. They never got scurvy. And why is that? Because there's vitamin C in muscle meat.
3: Yep, yep. Well, there's vitamin C in fresh meat, and there's even more of it in the organs. The offal right. So you answered you answer my question. Thank you. That That is all. <laughs> yeah. That is what I want to know. Yeah. Could you eat it for the rest of your life Absolutely. and thrive? And you're saying yes. There Absolutely.
2: And th- there are things that you probably have to do to maintain. And I would imagine that populations that did eat a lot more red meat, uh, they genetically didn't morph into better absorbers of iron because they were getting a constant influx of iron every single day. You know... Uh, One pound of beef has 11.7 milligrams of iron in it. So for the past year, I've been eating about two pounds of beef a day.
3: Uh Uh-huh. And I I happen
2: to have the genetic uh, disposition to absorb iron better. So I'm actually an iron overload right now.
3: Ah, okay. So that's why you have to give blood to actually get
2: iron out of your blood. Give blood. also, interestingly enough, the only way to truly excrete Uh, Other than using chelating agents, which they exist. I talked about them during the first half of the show. I don't want to go over it again. But one of the things I missed during the first half of the show is distance runners are always anemic no matter how much meat they eat. So there Hmm. seems to be an ability to do cardio and balance out your iron stores.
3: Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Maybe the oxygen. uh, Well, I don't know. We could theorize about that later, but.
2: Yeah, I, I I I've been thinking about it. Like, I, I have a feeling that when you do cardio, it may be that, um, it may be that there could be some sort of porosity to certain organs where blood trans actually passes through, and somehow the iron ends up in the urinary tract. That's the only thing I can think of. I I have to believe it has something to do with the kidneys, because you know when you're when your heart's pumping 160 beats a minute for two hours. Yeah. Uh, There's a a lot of blood moving through the kidneys. And so I have a funny feeling that the kidneys and the liver somehow uh, allow the iron to pass. And it could be a failure of the the kidneys and the liver to to process all that fluid. It could be.
3: What about just simple oxygenation in the bloodstream? Like having so much extra oxygen in the bloodstream, couldn't that attach to and perhaps destroy or oxygenate in some way the... uh the iron. That's a good point. Uh, it could. It could actually know,
2: be, change the iron. Maybe it oxidizes the iron, and the iron yeah, is able exactly. to escape. Then, yeah, it could be. It could. But, that, but that's another way to control your 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 stored ferritin levels, uh, and that is to do more cardio, which I haven't been doing. because I are not doing it? No, because <laughs> I, I, I have surgery scheduled for next next uh, month. Uh, I've had this. Uh, I crushed my foot a couple years ago, and um, cardio became very very arduous for me to do. I do bicycle cardio, but you know how much of that can you do?
3: Right, yeah, I I did the whole cycling thing as a vegan because I had just this endless energy, but, you know, I was relying on sugar to get me through those sessions constantly and eating even more calories and even worse digestion, so.
2: So what would you say to people right now that aren't hating you, but they're thinking, you know, maybe there's something to, to this, what would you suggest to them, especially if they've been vegans for so long and they don't like red meat, do you say, hey, try fish and eggs first?
3: Yeah, I'd say I'd say if you're willing to try some animal products, you know, uh, go for the fish and eggs, go for eggs like that, honestly, could fix the problem right there. And I want to make a very strong point here is a lot of the vegans, they'll point to places like the blue zones that have this really long lifespan. And they make the they make the mental jump from these communities being predominantly keyword predominantly vegan slash vegetarian, they're not actually vegan. They're they're just high plant-based eaters. They're not actually vegan. So what the vegans are, are doing is they're saying, oh look, they're eating ninety percent of their calories from plant foods. Therefore, one hundred percent of calories from plant foods is even better. <laughs> no. That is not that is not how science works. It, that ten percent of calories, people don't realize how crucial that five or ten percent of calories from animal products might be in terms of nutrients and balancing the rest of your body out, like 5% of calories on a 3000 calorie diet is, uh, 150 calories. Right. So that's like two or three eggs a day. Like that's, that's a significant amount of animal food that you could be adding into your diet that is then counterbalancing all of the, um, the anti-absorption that you've got going on through all the plant foods. Right. So I want to say to the, to the vegans is don't ignore your results. Um, I want to tell you that I lived in Hawaii for two full years with a community of vegans. Great. Uh, most of them are great people. I, I moved there to get closer to the vegan community. I wanted to see what I imagined, what I envisioned was I was going to show up on the doorstep there and I was going to show up and I was going to be around a community of like, holy floating fairies that were all just amazed and, and jazzed on life that were just such healthy beings. And what I found out was over a short period of time was that I was actually the healthiest one there. And what I mean by that is I ate more than most people calorie wise. I ate more protein than they did. They all made fun of me. Oh, you're the bro protein eating vegan. But, but then again, I had better performance than they did. I had, I was leaner than most of them. Um, I just had less issues overall and I ate a wider variety of foods. A lot of them were so myopic in what they would eat they, they were still focused on eating a lot of raw foods and a lot of this stuff and most of them are supplementing on everything from magnesium to zinc to pretty much all kinds of stuff and and just struggling to create these concoctions in order to fill out the nutritional deficiencies that they have um, rather than saying hey you know this so-called amazing uh natural diet for me the vegan diet is not actually providing those nutrients to me in its base format. Whereas me now, I'm not even taking protein powders and I can still make more gains than I did on the vegan diet when I was eating protein powders. Yeah. So I guess what I would say is, you know, just don't, don't ignore the results. Look at the results. Look at them objectively. Look around you at the other vegans. Do they have results? My, my observation is that most of them do not have good results. And but see, but isn't really that interesting? Well. They don't
2: have good results, but they refuse to abandon the diet, which tells me I I keep coming back to this, and I I know that someone's going to be insulted by me saying this, but it's like, isn't that a sign of like um you know not mental illness, but um like if if you're if you're doing something and you're getting sicker and sicker, the deeper you go into it, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say it's not working and let me change? Unless there's something in your brain, in your mind, in the way you look at things, that's, that's incorrect.
3: Uh, yes, I would I would. Well, agree
2: the, re- the reason I say this is because – I didn't want to bring this up. But in, in 2013 or 2015, Psychology Today uh, covered a study, and the study was why do vegans have greater mental illness – than omnivores, there's actually a study out there. Nobody likes to wow. talk about it, especially the vegan community doesn't like to talk about it. And the study um, postulated three reasons. It said um, that, v- that that people turn to the vegan diet because they already have mental Ill- illness and they're trying to like get their get, feel better. They're trying to feel better.
3: That's a that's complete bullshit. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. And no, uh, and we know that. The other one is. Because the diet is so nutrient deficient that it causes the brain not to work, right? And the third one was that, uh, that uh, people who tend to be vegan are also hypochondriacs. But, but, but it didn't matter. Like, like either, look, you and I can say, no, it's not that one. It's not that one. The bottom mm-hmm. line of the study was that they didn't overtly say was that vegans tend to have mental illness, over mm-hmm. omnivores and the general population. And you got to ask yourself whether it's whether it's the diet causing it or you're searching out the diet because you have issues. The vegan diet is associated with bad
3: mental outcomes. Right. And I I didn't know anybody that had those specific issues, but I probably know more vegans than the majority of these keyboard warriors you see on the internet that are like, you're doing it wrong. And they're sitting there in Ohio or something in a basement where they don't know another single vegan in their entire life. <laughs> and yet I moved to Frutopia, Hawaii with a vegan community. And people are telling me that I did it wrong, that, that, uh, for some reason I'm not vegan enough. And I think that mentality is what's really harming people because they don't want to look at any of it objectively. And then as soon as you throw any facts in the way, or any logic, then they say, well, the animals, the environment. And you're like, well, what does that have to do with optimal health? You know, that just because we have 7 billion people on the planet, I'm sorry, but that's, that's not my concern right now. You know, we can figure out the environmental stuff. I'm not trying to destroy the environment, but what I'm saying is let's get the health in line first. So then we're strong enough and we have the mental capacity and the energy to actually go solve those other problems. Cause it's right now it's not solved.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
3: Plug your, plug your uh, YouTube channel again. Yes, sir. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash Drew Morg, D-R-E-W-M-O-R-G.
2: And I'll make sure I put it in today's write-up for the show when it, the podcast uh, publishes tomorrow. Drew, awesome. man, uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this because a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there today who were vegan and switched. But they're afraid to talk about it because literally they're afraid that vegans are going to come after them and like just troll them and, and, and break their chops because it's, it's almost like a religion now. It's like you, if you're saying, Oh, no, I, you know, I was Catholic, but now I'm going to be Protestant. And the Catholics are going, dude, you suck. You know, you're, you're no good. And it's like, look, it's the way a person eats. Don't take it so seriously. Like, why do you feel threatened because someone else doesn't want to eat the way you do unless you're not completely convinced that it's good for you either?
3: Right. So thank you. That's the question. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you, man. Take care.
3: All right. See you, Carl. Thanks for having me on.
2: Okay. And that's it for today's show. Uh, I hope you got something good out of it, especially the first half hour about iron overload. Keep an eye on your iron and age better. Uh, Take some of the tactics, get your ferritin tested, and stay superhuman. We'll see you tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thank you for listening today.